Hello and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delau. Phil, good to be with you. A little disappointing to be here for the first time following a Broncos loss, but still 3-1, and one, all's not lost. We're going we're gonna to talk through it. We're going to get you through it. I know you're feeling some pain. A lot to talk about here on this Monday. Uh, we're coming to you live on the Broncos YouTube page and also out here at Breckenridge Brewery's Farmhouse in Littleton, right off of Santa Fe. We're here every Monday from 6 to 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, we're used to breaking down Broncos wins, but now for the first time this year, like you mentioned, Eric, uh, a loss. The Broncos, uh, a measuring stick type of game, I guess is the way we would describe it. Coming up uh, way too short, I think, for most Broncos fans here. A 23-7 to loss against the Ravens. And uh, I, I would say neither f any of the Broncos' three phases played well enough to win uh, on Sunday. Yeah, that's definitely true, Phil. And then I think when you talk about Teddy Bridgewater going out, too, with a concussion, there's lasting repercussions here for certainly this week against Pittsburgh. Hopefully no longer than that. But the Broncos are going to have to fix some things pretty quickly here to get back on track and get a win. Yeah, we'll talk about the Broncos quarterback situation here moving forward. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater exits now in the concussion protocol. Drew Locke came in, and that's a tough situation for him to come into. Uh, Broncos offense just really couldn't do much of anything uh, there in the second half. And then on the defensive side of the ball, didn't quite look like the same defense we saw from the week earlier against the Jets when they uh, pitched the shutout. Well, no, definitely not. And I think some of that, of course, is Lamar Jackson and just the challenges he presents. When we get to the defense, Phil, I'll explain why maybe it's not quite as bad as people think. I think the, the lasting memory is that 49-yard pass to Hollywood Brown that he's reaching out for with no one even around him. But I think there was still some good to take from it. Maybe not kind of the, the lasting danger to that unit that some mm -hmm. people might think. Yeah, we are going to get into whether or not the Broncos defense was exposed a little bit. Uh, is there a blueprint out there now how to beat this Broncos defense? We'll dive into that um, as we move forward here with the Broncos uh, uh, going up against the Steelers this Sunday. Uh, another hard test and maybe there's some doubt creeping in here, Eric, because the Broncos 3-0 uh, and through those first three weeks, but the their opponents were a combined 0-9 heading into Sunday. Now, the Giants won, the Jets won, so not the same there, but uh, maybe the first big test and the Broncos not, not up to snuff, really. No, they still got a lot to prove here, I think, because like you mentioned, the opponents were not stellar by any means, and you've got to figure out, are you the team that can go on the road and beat the Steelers? Are you a team that can beat the Raiders at home? Or are you a team that simply beats up on these kind of lesser squads and can't quite keep up yet with a real playoff team. I hate to say it, Eric, but in that second half in particular, I was getting major 2020 vibes, 2019 vibes. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. And then the big part of this Monday show really is about you, the listener, the fan. Submit your questions on YouTube and we'll get the, we'll get the answers going out here. We've got our supervisor, Ben Swanson, manning the phone lines. He's ready. Yeah. And then uh, if you can't catch us live, make sure you check out uh, the audio version of this. It's on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe to The Neutral Zone, Eric. Uh, what are other ways that people can get involved in the show? You can send us an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. We like to answer questions 
They come from members of NZ Nation, Phil. And also, if you want, we have a sticker. Eric? Sticker. We've got a Neutral Zone sticker. You can see the logos right here. That's the sticker. If you want one of those stickers, email us there, and I'll also leave your address, and we'll mail one out to you. That's right. Or you can leave a voicemail, Phil, 707-NEUTRAL. We play those on the air on our Thursday show. It's a way to kind of send your uh, your opinions in, your questions, get them heard. We try to play as many as we can. 707-NEUTRAL. I know AJ, he's a big Louisville fan. Okay, big Teddy Bridgewater fan. Uh, interested to see what he thought of uh, that hit on Bridgewater, Eric. Uh, so those are all the ways you can get involved in the show. You can also uh, talk to us directly on Twitter, at Eric Delala with an A, at Bill Milani with a PH, non-traditional spellings. That's right, but hopefully people can figure that out. Yeah, exactly. Eric, uh, the first topic I wanted to get into is Vic Fangio's comments here uh, earlier on this Monday. He was not happy that the Ravens ran the ball on the final play of the game to try and tie an NFL record. They did that, getting 100 yards rushing. Vic Fangio not happy about it. Yeah, and I, I can understand that because a lot of fans have said, hey, we'll just line up and stop them. You know, you play to the whistle, play to the whistle. But what you've got to understand is that a lot of these defensive linemen, they're not trying on that final play. They're standing up. They don't want to hurt an offensive lineman, so they're not going with full, full speed. And Sometimes what can happen, Phil, is when one person's going at full speed and the other person is not, that's when it really gets dangerous. You know, you've got linebackers who are not necessarily expecting to make a tackle, and now you've got receivers and linemen firing out at you. To me, that's where the, the issue comes in. I don't really mind from a, a sportsmanship standpoint. It's more about that injury risk of, hey, if, if you let someone know or the offensive linemen say, hey, we're, we're running a play here and you're ready to go, that's one thing. But when everyone else is just kind of standing there, and you fire off the ball, that's dangerous. But even from a sportsmanship perspective there, that record is tainted, in my opinion, now, just because, hey, the Broncos were not in a competitive position there to try and stop that play. I mean, traditionally, you just take a knee and let's uh, go into a locker room. Everybody's happy with Baltimore. Everybody's upset with the Broncos. But to go out there and do that, I know John Harbaugh said that that was a record that was uh, important to his players. But in my opinion, there's... I don't want to sound like the get-off-my-lawn guy, the unwritten rules of sports, but just to me, that's not a very graceful way to win. I just think the the record thing is a little bit overblown. I mean, no one's going to remember here in a year or two or whenever this ends for the Ravens that they even have this. There's all sorts of streaks like this. You know, there was some record last week. Tom Brady's now been sacked the most time of most times of any quarterbacks. There's the Broncos had a long streak of when they won the turnover battle. This is how many games in a row they've won. There's a way to find a stat for almost anything, Phil. So this is, it's not like they just broke the all-time scoring record for a single game against the Broncos by tossing it up there with five seconds left. It's part of the the silliness to me is it's just a three minor record. It's not even that big of a deal. It's just something that has kind of come about. Um, but certainly it matters to John Harbaugh, and he kind of equated. He said, well, if the Broncos are still trying at the end of the game, then why can't we still try? Very different situations. Yeah, I mean, Drew Locke is trying to get some game reps here. He's a backup quarterback. He doesn't get a lot of game reps. He's out there trying to to uh, play, still play. And that's very normal, Eric, with uh, a team that's down by a lot. They'll still try and play. The defense is typically in a type of a prevent defense, and you typically see the offense in those situations move the ball down the field. Maybe they'll score, but it's not a big deal. Do you know what I mean? So for 
John Harbaugh to really compare those two situations, that's like uh, apples and bananas, apples and oranges. <laughs> well, apples and bananas, a common uh, comparison there. Yeah, apples and oranges. I think especially based on when that drive started, still several minutes left in the game. If they had scored really quickly, maybe you get an onside kick and see what happens. Obviously, your final snap com comes with 10 seconds left, so in all likelihood, nothing's going to happen, but you're not going to just take a knee at that point after working it all the way down to the end zone, so not necessarily yeah. an issue, but Phil, to me, the whole thing, like, I liked Kareem Jackson's approach, which mm -hmm. was, I don't really care about the run at the end of the game. I care about all the plays that came before that, and I understand Vic Fangio standing up for his guys, and I respect that, and I think for a head coach, that's good, but what you want a player to be focused on, Phil, is the rest of, you know, the rest of the game and making sure that you don't lose again. I think we got a Ravens fan here. Nick K says, lol, it's tainted because your squad wasn't ready. Nice try. Okay, uh, Nick, it's because it's supposed to be a kneel-down situation. For example, if the Broncos just randomly decided to go full blast in that situation and blow up a kneel-down, I'm pretty sure Ravens fans would be upset, and uh, and they'd say, hey, there's still a play left. Uh, well, that's what we're trying to make a tackle there. That's not what you do, Eric. Nick's getting to you, huh? Nick, I I love it. Bring bring some heat here. I, I like it. Nick. We, we should note this week that Ben Swanson is communicating with you directly. Straight onto my phone, so we're getting them faster. Yeah. And we don't have to read his handwriting. Yeah, so but you are still paying attention to me, which is important to note. <laughs> I'm paying attention to you, Eric. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about with these com with these comments here today, and then we can move on. Uh, very interesting that uh, Vic Fangio continued to talk about it and said not only did he feel like this, that he should have expected this, but he said that's what the Ravens are about. And that's particularly interesting because, as we know, Vic Fangio coached in Baltimore under Brian Billick and then one year under John Harbaugh. So they have a little bit of a history there. And then Vic Fangio also coached under John Harbaugh's brother, Jim, in, at Stanford. So there is some familiarity there. So for him to come out and make these co comments publicly, it must have really been bothering him. Well, and I think John Harbaugh said today, I thought Vic and I were on good terms. We talked before the game. So he clearly wasn't expecting it. but. I think something that this does, Phil, is all the negative attention that was focused on the Broncos players yesterday, now focused, not necessarily negative attention, but the attention is now on Vic. He's kind of taken all of this with the narrative on himself. I think it's a little bit of a tactic. Oh, really? You think he's not just upset about it? No, I this? think he is upset, but I think he, part of it is, hey, let's stand up for my guys. Because you could see Shelby Harris in this Nine News video that they posted. Shelby was very upset yeah. as well. They got a lot of pride. And so I think it's partially that, but then I think it's also, hey, let's take the attention away from the guys because there is a lot of, well, are the Broncos for real? Can they beat anybody? Today, that was not the story, really, because now it's about Vic Fangio versus John Harbaugh. And though we talked last week, you said, is Broncos-Ravens a rivalry? Now, now it was. Well, I always was. thought that it was. It was. There's a little bit of a gap. Yeah. Now it might be again. There's always, like, uh, these teams have played pretty physical. There's always, like, a few things that happen over the course of the several years. You don't forget about those things. Like, to me, like, that playoff game where Shannon Sharp catches this bobbling pass, takes it all the way down the sideline, and, of course, the Ravens win. That's when Shannon was playing for Baltimore. 
that hurts. And you kind of remember that. Of course, you remember the playoff. We don't talk about that uh, a few years back. But there's just always like a little something there with the Ravens. And uh, now I think this is definitely continuing on here. So uh, definitely interesting. Uh, I will say Vic Fangio, an old school guy. He's a baseball kind of guy. And there's a lot of unwritten rules in baseball. And I think that uh, not taking a knee there, that, that really cut to the core of him. It did. Yeah, he said 37 years of pro ball. He's never seen, never seen like anything like it. I agree with him. <clears throat> I, I'm all for bat flipping and celebration and baseball and everything. I think that that's important. I like to have fun with football. But this, in this particular situation, I'm not for it. You just take the knee and go into the locker room. That's what I think. So You're fired up. Yeah, I am fired up. Okay, we got a lot of comments here. Uh, Nick K responded, says, Broncos could have ran out the clock. They gave us the ball back. They did give the ball back. Yeah. They did give the ball back. Maybe That's you true. and Nick can chat well, afterwards. I bet you that I bet you Drew was like 10 seconds left. Let's just throw it up. It'll be the final play of the game. There happened to be uh, a few seconds remaining there, and maybe he didn't calculate for that. Yeah, I don't know if he was throwing it up. I think he just underthrew it. I, it was not a he good throw. He underthrew it. Not, not a, a good throw, throw there. Okay, okay. Uh, we got a lot of questions coming in here on the hotline, on the YouTube. We are live on the Broncos YouTube page right now. From Metabale, any updates to the lengthening injury list, Eric? You're the injury boy. Let's get the answers. <laughs> well, well, good news on Pat Sertan, just day to day. Sounds like there's a chance he could play this weekend. Sounds like Graham Gla or excuse me, Dalton Reisner could come back and play this weekend. Vic said he's probably good to go. Kind of unclear yet if Ronald Darby is going to get back. I would think Mike Boone would be activated. Uh, he was sounded like he was pretty close last week, so. Certainly some guys. Michael Ojemudia? No, not yet on no. Michael Ojemudia. No. Okay. What Jerry, about Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy? Not yet, I don't think. Not yet. He's still he's gotta be out for three weeks, is that right? Well, I think he can technically come back so. this week because he was injured the same game yeah. as Ronald Darby, but I don't think he's quite there in his recovery. Doesn't match up with the timeline we were given initially. So six weeks uh, is what we were hearing. Yeah, oh. about that. So but the Broncos are starting to slowly get some people back. Obviously, the big story of the week, Phil, is will Teddy Bridgewater be able to play? He could do some limited practice as early as Thursday, I think. We'll have to kind of see how that develops. But we've seen guys go through the concussion protocol and play the same week. We'll talk more about it, but Denver's going to need him. Nick Kay has responded, oh Eric. Gosh. He says, how can you compare a turnover battle record over an all-time rushing record? How dare I? I think the point is... Nobody cares that you ran for 100 yards in a bunch of games in a row. Like like a few years from now, nobody's going to care about that. Nick. Exactly. So it, was it worth it? Was it really worth it? Well, see, I think to them it probably is worth it because they think it's funny. They don't care. What if the Broncos play the Ravens in the playoffs? Oh, man, that would be sweet. Yeah. That would be sweet, Nick. I hope you're ready. Ra Ravens fans are probably like, we would love to play the team. Yeah, we'll that's beat true. By 16 points. That is true. That's true. Okay, he says here, uh, oh like John Harbaugh said, he won't be given the insult a second of a thought. Much respect to the Broncos, though. I think you guys will bounce back next week. I, I bet you want us to bounce back next week because they play the Steelers. <laughs> Nick, we need to have you call in on the voicemail line. Here. Nick's in your head all Yeah, Nick, we want you on the voicemail line. Thanks for joining the Broncos podcast. Are there podcast. other questions? Well, let me just ask you this. What do you think about a Ravens fan coming in here? Crashing a Broncos podcast. I like that. We're talking about Nick. You're thinking about, about the insult here, huh? Oh, we got, oh, we got some Ravens fans here. 
What is happening? <laughs> what is so going on? what happens. On? You lose okay. one game, Phil. Let's move on here. Ricky, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't think I should read the whole question here, but uh, he says the blitz did not show up for the Broncos. And then on the offensive side of the ball, he wasn't too happy with Pat Shermer. This is from Ricky. Is that paraphrased? I'll just paraphrase the language. <laughs> yeah. Ricky, thank you for the question there. Well, I think the blitz actually worked okay. The Broncos were not getting there with four at all, and they really weren't trying to even get to Lamar. Vaughn talked about that after the game. You don't know if you're supposed to rush the quarterback, if you're supposed to contain the quarterback. They had to kind of go to some more blitzes there toward the end of the second quarter, and it worked. Caden Stearns got home a couple of times. Vaughn and McTelvin Aguim got home once. So, and Phil, when we get to the defense, we'll talk about it, but that kind of led to some more success in the second half. So I would argue that the blitz actually did work for Denver. Probably just had to do it a little more than they wanted to, and that makes you susceptible down the field. Now, with with Pat Shermer, that, that's a big question. Did they go away from the run too early? Vic talked about, hey, this, this is dried up. It wasn't quite as easy to run the ball from the first quarter on. Um, and if you look at the stats, Phil, in the second half, started with a six-yard run from Melvin Gordon, didn't run the ball again on that drive. Then have a 10-yard run from Javante on the next drive, run it one more time, don't pick up any yards, don't run it again in that quarter, I believe. So to me, you abandoned it a little bit too early. That's a fair question to ask. Big Fangio's talked about it already. Um, some of these screen plays, Phil, I think it was interesting what Noah Fant said today, which was they're still trying to figure out the best way He's still trying to figure out his place in the offense. Some other guys are figuring out their place in the offense. There was a good follow-up question. Shouldn't that have happened already? Yes. Yes, it should have. Well, but Noah's response was, that's a that's a thing throughout the season. Yeah. As different teams adjust to you, you have to figure out where you fit. I think part of this too, Phil, is the reason it hasn't happened already is Noah's not just figuring out where he fits in this offense. It's where do I fig- fit in this offense without Jerry Judy, without K.J. Hamler, it's kind of this constantly moving target. you you got to adapt over the course of the season, of course. Things happen, injuries happen, teams figure out some of the tactics that you're trying to do. They stop that, you got to adjust. I get that. But, like, for example, do you think that Lamar Jackson is coming in and being like, okay, well, the Broncos defense likes to do this, so we got to really change the way we play? Not so much. It's more they're dictating the terms of play and the the defense has to react to that. I, I was kind of concerned about some of the things Noah Fan said. He said that when Drew Locke came in, the game plan just stayed the same, and they continued what they had worked on during the week. I would have felt like maybe if Drew came in, you got to adjust, adapt, change things up because it's a different quarterback in there. You gotta you gotta be able to make it, you know, changes on the fly, and that's what I think good teams do. And you know, I, I do think that the Broncos have been using Noah Fan pretty well here. He's got a couple of touchdowns so far. But I I, I guess I would have thought that this, this offense in its second year would have been humming a little bit more in terms of what players know what their role is. Yeah, I mean, again, I just think it's because you've lost Jerry and then a week goes by and then you lose a couple offensive linemen, you lose KJ. Like, to me, that changes week to week. Again, the goalposts are kind of moving here. So you can't say, let's move forward a couple weeks in a row or let's get some guys back and go ahead. I mean, part of it is every week there's some sort of different subtraction. And so how do you think? I mean, you've just built three and a half games worth of chemistry with Teddy Bridgewater, and now if Drew Locke has to start, yeah. that's going to be an issue in its own right. So yeah. to me, it's it's a little bit concerning, but I understand 
kind of where it's coming from. The only thing I'll say then about the play calling here is I do think that Pat Shermer has done a great job this season. The Broncos offense has been very efficient. They've designed this thing to really hum with Teddy Bridgewater there. Uh, but when things were not going well in the second half there and you have these three and outs, I think you got to start opening up the playbook a little bit and say, maybe let's try some sort of trickeration. Let's try and do something that just could provide a little bit of a spark. You know, when you keep going three and out, like Vic Fangio said today, it's hard to run the ball. It's hard. You're just not, you don't have that many plays out there. Maybe just something to provide a spark that could turn the momentum. Because I do think that this game was pretty evenly played until that deep shot to Hollywood Brown. And then the momentum 100% flipped. The Ravens then had scored on back-to-back drives. And plays like that really can change the outcome of games. I would have liked to see maybe some sort of trickeration, some sort of reverse, some sort of flea flick or some, something to just give a spark. Well, I mean, I do want to say after the, the Hollywood Brown touchdown, they go 12-yard completion at Corlin Sutton, another 10-plus yard completion at Noah Fant. They're at midfield there before you know it. Just kind of a negative play. Then you run a kind of a bubble screen to Corlin Sutton. He gets tackled on third and 10, short of the line to gain. That really didn't love that call in particular. But I think in the second half with Drew, there were some passes that should have been pretty easy that were just not accurate. Yep. Throwing the ball down the field, continues to have the issue with the deep ball where he's not getting loft under it. It's kind of on a line and has not been able to connect with Portland Sutton there. And then it's just held the ball for a long time on certain plays. Obviously took... I think three sacks, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Drew took three. Teddy had two. Coming into this game, the Ravens had five sacks. They had five just yesterday. Yeah. I think you felt the effects of not having Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow. Well, but across the board, I mean, Garrett Bowles did not play well. He said that. Vic Fangio said Garrett's got to play better, especially coming up. I mean, he could face T.J. Watt this weekend. You've got Miles Garrett on the schedule in a couple weeks. Max Crosby's playing really well for the Raiders. Garrett Bowles has to pick it up a little bit. And then you talk about, on the other side, Bobby Massey. He played really well, but he also struggled. And so it's not just about the guards there. Everybody's got to do a little bit better. Tim Patrick had some early catches, but not his best day. Portland Sutton obviously didn't make that much of an impact, wasn't able to haul in a deep pass until late in the game. So everybody's got to get it together a little bit on the offensive side. Oh, we got a lot of questions coming in here. We got to get through some of these here, Eric. Edved seven nine six. He says, love you guys. Sertan looked oddly overmatched. What did you think? They did go after Sertan a little bit there in the beginning, and uh, they had a lot of success there. He's a rookie. Well, they went after Sertan. They did go after Kyle Fuller, too. I mean, Bryce Callahan's really the only guy that kind of locked his guy down. And the issue is, is when you're blitzing guys, you're leaving your corners on an island. And we saw Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson play so close to the line of scrimmage. Kareem's coming up to make tackles in the run game. When that happens and Lamar's got three, four seconds to throw the ball, it's asking a lot of those guys. I mean, to me, Sertan was not the biggest matchup issue. Mark Andrews on Justin Simmons on that on the Ravens' first touchdown drive, they got him a couple of times, and that's gonna the Broncos are gonna have to figure that out because without Ronald Darby, you can't have Pat Sertan on the tight end, but they're gonna have to figure out how do we stop those guys because Darren Waller in two weeks is going to be an issue if you don't figure that out. There's a lot of playmakers in, in this league, and there's going to be success. I think it's just about trying to minimize the the blows, and the Broncos just not able to do that uh, against the Ravens. Here we go. We got uh, 
pro, uh, prospecting with difficulties. Uh, says, if Teddy didn't get hurt, I think the outcome would be different. Teddy had slow starts and the team bounced back. What do you think about that? I with, think with outcome that been different. I don't know if you win the game, but I think certainly it feels different. It's probably a game going into the fourth quarter. Um, I don't think you feel kind of the. I kind of felt at a certain point in the third quarter, Phil, that the the offense just didn't have much of a chance to move the ball. I mean, it was only a two score game. It was ten points for all the third quarter. And there just wasn't a lot of hope that you were going to be able to put a drive together because every time you had a positive play, Drew was sacked. Or there was an incompletion on first down. Or you have a negative run, you know, on the few occasions that they did run it. So, to me, with Teddy, you saw during training camp, I thought, when he had a bad period, he would come back the next time and play a lot better. He would complete passes. You saw that even a little bit. I I know the end of half possession wasn't great. They're backed up at, like, the 10-yard line, but... He bounced back from three straight punts, leads a touchdown drive, got out to midfield on the ensuing drive. So to me, there were some signs that you were starting to figure things out. Would you have won? I don't know. If the, if the defense buckled down the way it did and the Ravens weren't, I mean, we have kind of differing opinions where the Ravens going full speed there. I think in the fourth quarter, it's fair to say they definitely took the foot off the gas. But in the third quarter, if it was a tie game, how differently would things have gone? You're, you're saying that you, you thought the Broncos, we were talking in the office a little earlier, kind of a heated discussion earlier. You were saying that 23 points, that was okay for the Broncos defense. If you give up 23 points against Lamar Jackson, you should probably try, be in that game. I, yeah. I was saying that just with the way the game was going, the Ravens really didn't need to push it too much. They could have just sort of just let the game uh, run its course. Yeah, and I don't know up only 10 in the third quarter if that's happening. Maybe in the fourth quarter. I think in the fourth bit. quarter they had like a nine-minute drive or something crazy like that. Yeah, they they uh, they certainly moved the ball there. Just a nice, long game-ender type of uh, they they didn't uh, end about, the game, about, obviously. Uh, about six and a half minutes. Six and a half. It felt like 20. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Eric, here, let's keep going. Uh, Nick K says, ha-ha, you guys are funny. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Pedro Ambrise says we controlled their running game. Uh, we didn't contain their passing. Lamar Jackson, 316 yards passing. Uh, I would have bet a lot of money that that wouldn't have happened heading into that game, and it did. Well, and they, the Broncos decided they weren't going to let the Ravens control time of possession. They weren't going to let Lamar beat him with his feet. There were only really, that I can think of, two third downs, and one of them was critical on a scoring drive for the Ravens where it's third down, and Lamar kind of escapes pressure and picks up the first down. That happened a couple of times, never really to kind of the back-breaking extent. So they, they clearly thought, hey, our secondary is good enough to match up with them. Wasn't the case. He found time uh, to make those plays. It would have been interesting to me if Bradley Chubb was healthy. Could you have gotten there with four guys? Um, Jonathan Cooper lost the edge a couple of times, certainly on the first touchdown run, wasn't able to set the edge. So... With a healthy defense, I wonder what that could have looked like. But the Ravens were missing guys, too, so hard to make that excuse. Yeah, I don't think injuries, you could make an excuse against this Ravens team. I think they had like 17 players on IR, the most in the NFL heading into that game. So, uh, yeah, they they certainly had that tactic coming into it to stop the run. The Ravens, uh, the top rushing attack in the NFL. But Lamar showed that he, he might be the most dangerous weapon in the NFL. I know Patrick Mahomes 
has done that in the past, but going up against this guy, Vic Fangio said it. He said they play offense unlike any other team in the NFL. That's hard to defend every week. So uh, another comment here from KMH. Do you guys ever drink at this brewery? Those 15 packs still look full. Please play a drinking game against each other. I will say these are empty. Eric, after Vic Fangio made his comments this morning, came over here and just cleaned them up. I, I on the other hand, like to nurse this, uh, a nice Oktoberfest here, Eric. Uh, it's October now. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. Yeah, it's a, Broncos, autumnal, autumnal beer. Yeah. Broncos undefeated in September, October, oh. not off to a good start. Winless in October. That's true. Yeah. But we are out here at Breckenridge Brewery's Farmhouse, looking to make it a... Farm home. We're in Littleton, right off of Santa Fe. You know what the street is called when you turn in here? Brewery Drive or something like that. I think it's Brewery Lane. Oh, even better. Brewery Lane. That's a nice street. I will say to that, that comment, at some point, we, after a win fell, we would do a cheers of the game to the players that played very well. Maybe a, maybe a slight... Cheers to Javante Williams for his 31-yard yeah, run. Yeah. I mean, he had – this guy is like Ben Swanson's size, our, our supervisor over here. And he had Marlon Humphrey on his back, who's yeah. close to your size. I think Marlon Humphrey, he was looking to go down the field a little bit, didn't want to run himself down the field. He just got on took – took it for a ride. He definitely went for a ride. So, Javante, one of the better yeah. runs I've seen. I've seen in the NFL for a while. And Vic Fangio continues to praise him unlike any rookie I've ever seen him praise. So, Except for Pat Sertan and training camp. KMH uh, follows that up with, if you guys replaced Vic for one week, what would you do differently? What would you do differently? That's interesting. Do you want to start? Uh, I don't, I, you know, the one thing I would just say is that I think sometimes Vic, after being in the league for 30-plus years, almost 40 years, from a defensive perspective, I think he tends to view things through that lens, which is perfectly natural. The Broncos win a lot of games playing good defense here. But I, I would maybe look to be a little bit more attacking. Vic had that success in week one where he was very aggressive, went for fourth down a lot. Yesterday, I felt like, especially right before halftime, really was just sort of a slow playing things, wanted to get to the locker room a little bit there. Um, maybe just sort of a more aggressive mindset, I would say. Yeah, and certainly you're talking less about offensively there. You're talking defensively with some timeouts because... Use a timeout is well, what yeah, I thought maybe I would have done Offensively, there. there were not fourth downs to go for yesterday. He, he, yes, he I'm just saying in general, an yes. more aggressive mindset to try and put up more points. Yeah. I, I think I would say when you see the success that some of these two and three tight end sets have had, this is less for Vic, more just for the offense as a whole. When you see the success those have had with uh, Eric Sauber, Noah Fan, Albert O, I would I would ride that a little bit more, especially when Jerry Judy's not out here and your third wide receiver is a Kendall Hinton or a David Moore or a, a Deontay Spencer when he was healthy. I mean, that's nothing against those guys, but I just think pound for pound, Albert O's probably a better option to have out there. And so we'd try to roll with that a little more. Okay, uh, moving on here. Uh, Eric Turvin uh, must have missed the beginning of the show here, but say any news on Jerry Judy? Any news? Not yet, really. Still waiting on that. Yeah, still waiting. Uh, we did see a glimpse of him rolling around the facility last week. He was on one of those little scooter things where your leg is up, the other leg's pushing it. Um, 
but yeah, he's technically able to come off a of high R this week, but uh, not quite physically ready to do that. Um, Cody McAlpin, he's not panicking, Eric. He says it's our first loss of the season. It's a long season. He's glad that the injury bug is hitting early rather than late. He says uh, Smart. the boy. most doubted team in the league. He says, who do you think stepped up the most this week? Who stepped up? Who, who's a bright spot there? That's a good question, Phil. I mean, it's hard to, hard to pick. Maybe Caden Stearns is a good answer there. You shouted him out a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, Caden had two sacks, has really taken over that dime role. Uh, he, he's playing well for a rookie, and I think the future of that safety position is really bright there. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Kareem Jackson after this season, but you probably feel really good about Caden Stearns if he has to step into a starting job at some point. Right now, though, Vic Fan just said, no, not, not going to change the base role for him. I think Caden Stearns played seven plays yesterday, two sacks. I like that. Efficient. I like that. Yeah, I like Caden Stearns. I think that that was a, I think that was a really good uh, uh, shout out there from uh, from you there. Let's see. Uh, Thank you. No excuse. This is uh, from uh, Chanchi. Chanchi, I believe. No excuses for Locke. Many backups come in with and have success. He was a starter. It doesn't seem like he had uh, much success yesterday. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about Drew for a second. Okay. Because I was expecting more from him. You know, he he got up there on the podium. He was very humble, very um, humbled after the after training camp, after losing the job in the preseason. Said, "I'm going to be ready when this team needs me. I'm going to be set to go." And, and quite frankly, Phil, he wasn't. He was not ready to go. And he talked about that after the game. He basically admitted, "I'm still learning to be a backup quarterback. I'm still learning all the little details. I didn't quite. You don't quite know what the motions are or what the certain plays are because you don't get the reps." Well, you got to figure out a way to do that. you got to be ready to come in. I don't think people expect the world of you when you're a backup quarterback, and there can be some mistakes that are made. But to, to not be able to move the offense at all, to not score any points, to me, there was some sort of disconnect there in his preparation. So I don't know if he needs to figure out a way where if he's not getting those reps, get back on the virtual reality, um, find it, spend even more time after practice working, but you, you cannot go in there and then after the game say, well, the lack of reps hurt me and I, I wasn't quite sure on what certain things were. You know, to me, that's not a valid that's not a valid argument. You've got to be better than that. Yeah, he said, I don't want to make excuses, but then he kind of did make an excuse there. But I think it was just a reminder of how important practice reps are. I mean, sometimes I think you think these guys, Teddy Bridgewater, he's a talented quarterback. He just has to show up and he'll play like that. There's a lot of prep that goes into uh, these game plans. And if you don't get those reps, it's hard to come out there and, and execute. But when you've been a starter your whole life, like Drew Locke has been, he, he doesn't know how to necessarily get ready for a game like a backup. And uh, I do think that maybe it's possible that if you don't know what that role entails, maybe you just sort of aren't ready to go. But, but for him, he's not a starter anymore. Assuming when Teddy gets healthy that he's going to be the guy again, and every indication is that'll be the case. What I don't get, Phil, is he's got to realize here that when you're coming into this game, this could be one of your final chances this season to prove, hey, I can be a guy. You know, yep. you want to come out there and you want to light it up. 
so that another team or the Broncos, you know, make it a really hard choice for the Broncos. Do we put Teddy back in? Make it a hard, make it make another team look at you and say, we want Drew Locke on our team next year. To me, when you go out there and you have that sort of performance, you're not taking advantage of the opportunities. And Phil, it's not like he's been sitting on the bench for 10 weeks. He was practicing three weeks ago. You know, like the, Teddy did not win the job that long ago, three, four weeks ago. So to me, Drew's got to really figure it out this week. And whether he starts or not, he's got to be ready to go at a different level. Otherwise, well, I don't want to be, someone asked today, do you sign another quarterback? Vic Fangio said, we got to see what happens with Teddy. But to me, if that's the performance or the type of performance you're going to get from Drew, you can still keep him on the roster because of his talent and the potential that you see. But you might need someone who's more game ready to go in and play because that you cannot you cannot have that where you just don't have a chance to move the ball or you don't have a chance to like say the Broncos were up ten in that game and you just needed yeah. Drew Lock to finish that game off he wouldn't have been able to do it yep and so that to me you really got to figure that out here because if Teddy has to miss more time you can't afford to just have it be here here's a loss and I think that a lot of people were expecting maybe when Teddy went out. Hey, Drew is is he's been a starter in this league. There's not going to be a big drop off. We heard so much about this quarterback competition. Well, I think that after yesterday, people were saying that was a competition because like it didn't look like Drew was even in the same class as Teddy Bridgewater uh, when he came in yesterday. But I know Drew Locke. He's going to attack this week hard. He's going to try and put this in the past and really come out. And if he has to play against Pittsburgh, I think that we're going to see a different Drew Locke. A guy who's had all the reps this week, he's ready to go, and uh, I think we'll see a different player coming up against Pittsburgh. I hope so. Uh, KMH says uh, he thinks that we should take a drink every time a commenter here complains about Drew Lodge. We we would we not have, be able to finish the we show. We don't have enough. We would not be able to finish the show. Eric's already had 30. And it, it was interesting to see because going into the season, people were like, oh, Drew should have won. Drew should have been the guy. They were hating on Teddy. The responses when when Drew went in and you're getting the you know the live feedback on Twitter, people have turned completely. Yep, yep. Uh, got the itch says uh, the Broncos that didn't have. Serious. It, it does. You should see a doctor for that. Uh, the Broncos didn't have any fight yesterday. They got punched in the mouth and then they just took it. He also said that Justin Simmons did not look great. We saw Mark Andrews had a deep play down the field and on Justin Simmons. Simmons got beat on a couple of other plays. Uh, uh, it was a tough day all around. I, I sort of agree. I, I thought maybe this Broncos team would have more fight. Uh, but it's hard when your emotional leader, Teddy Bridgewater, leaves the game. He's not just a starting quarterback, but he's a guy who gives you confidence all across the board. And I think one thing that we've talked about, Eric, is that there's been a different feel around the facility this year. There's been a different energy. Of course, going 3-0. and makes that difference but also i think that teddy brings a different element where uh, guys are buying in they're feeling good when he goes out and the ravens are having success it's hard to have that fight yeah I mean, you know i think that when jerry judy goes out i thought well teddy's still playing well when you lose a couple offensive linemen i think okay teddy's still doing well you're gonna be okay when teddy goes out you're right phil there's a sense that they, they've lost kind of the backbone of this team. They've lost their captain. They've lost their leader. That's that's hard to come back from. I do think the, the fight element, especially in the first half, 
I don't know if I like the offense after that big play to Hollywood Brown. Like I said, they, they start to drive the ball down the field. Um, they have a negative play, and then a, a third down play call. It's maybe a little um, odd to me. Kind of sets you back. Then you have one more possession where Deontay Spencer gets drilled. Should have been a penalty. Teddy Bridgewater gets drilled. Should have been a penalty. That's not a lack of fight to me. And then defensively, and I want to I want to talk about this a little bit. Phil is they give up the touchdown drive where Mark Andrews has those two catches. They give up the big catch to Marquise Brown that we've kind of heard now that Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson weren't on the same page. Sounded like Justin Simmons expected some help from Kareem on the uh, post there, didn't get it. But after that, you know, there, there was a chance there where I think they could have given in because you punt the ball, the Ravens return it all the way to the Broncos, 26-yard line before halftime, and you're thinking, man, they can go up 21-7 here in this game can be two score or, or 14 points. Ravens get the ball back. I think this could be over. So I think the fact that they held them there and then hold them scoreless throughout the entire third quarter, despite the fact that if you're the defense, you know and you see the offense isn't really moving the ball, that's where in the past we've kind of seen them maybe give in a little bit. That's what happened last year against Buffalo, for example. The defense, I thought, really fought through that quarter at the very least. And so... Yeah, when they got punched in the mouth, they didn't quite respond. But I think that's more about Teddy getting hurt than it was about an overall, you know, lack of fight with the team. Uh, I agree with you, but I guess uh, the one thing I, I wonder about here moving forward, I think that because the Broncos have so much talent in the secondary, we've heard about it so much this offseason, bringing in Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, drafting Pat Sertan II, uh, giving Justin Simmons this huge contract, uh, Kareem Jackson is back. I think that the way the Broncos can then play defense, knowing that their secondary is so good, is that they can stack the box against Lamar Jackson and say, beat us throwing the ball. Or they can be a little bit more aggressive where they have zero coverage or they're playing, you know, just man, man to man and say, try and beat me. You know, we got these elite cover corners. Now I'm like, oh, well, you tried that and they beat you. And so do they still play defense this way moving forward? Or now do you say, you know what? Maybe I don't want this guy one-on-one out there. We need some extra help out there. Or but That's what I'm just wondering is, is what happened against the Ravens something we're going to see other teams continue to try and do? And are the Broncos therefore going to have to change the way they play defense? Well, I kind of go back to after the Super Bowl. When everyone says the Rams found, a, or gosh, the Rams, the Bucks found a way to stop Kansas Patrick City. Mahomes in Kansas City, and it's like, well, maybe they did, but the way you do it is you have a really good defensive line, you have two really good linebackers, you've got a really good secondary, you've got a nickel corner that can cover people. I mean, you you've still got to have the talent and the personnel to be able to execute the plan. I mean, there there's a plan, and I'm sure if you ask Vic Fangio. You know, how do you drop a, a plan to stop Patrick Mahomes? He could come up with it. It's just a matter of do you have the personnel to figure it out. Let's see it another week in Pittsburgh or against the Raiders. If teams continue to kind of challenge the Broncos this way and the, the secondary doesn't have success and you're giving up, you know, touchdowns on back-to-back drives and you're down 10 points at halftime, at that point, then I'll kind of acknowledge, okay, maybe the secondary has some things they need to work through. But for right now, because of how different uh, 
a challenge that Lamar Jackson poses, I'm not really worried about it because, sure, they might have the plan, but other teams can't do that. They can't execute that plan. Yeah, but the Broncos are going to be facing some really talented quarterbacks, you know. Right, but Ben, ben Roethlisberger, for example, is not going to beat you the same way yeah. that Lamar Jackson is. Derek Carr is playing really well. He's an MVP in that conversation. He's not going to beat you in that way. He's going to dink and dunk it all over the field. You talk about Baker Mayfield. He's going to try to beat you off play action. It's not the same sort of, they're not running this, you know, read option. They're not going to have triple option, uh, like tendencies or elements to their offense. It's very different. And I, I think what we heard Vaughn say, which was, it's going to be nice to just play defense against a team that throws the ball and runs the ball normally. I think they're going to have a little bit of a rebound performance here against the Steelers. I mean, no doubt. Like I mentioned, I think Lamar Jackson might be the most dangerous weapon in the NFL. Definitely the most unique. So, unique. Unique. Uh, Tom Agnetti, our friend Tom Agnetti, of course he's watching. Tom. He says that he's, Tom, uh, he's laid up okay? with COVID. Oh, no. For the second time. So we, we hope you feel better, Tom. We hope that you're doing well. He said that Javante Williams' run got him out of bed. Just oh, like the Tom, doctor ordered. Here. Take it easy. Okay, and then uh, we're going to have to check in with our IT team here because we need to get somebody removed from the show here. Uh -oh. uh, KMH says, Eric is definitely the smarter analyst. Phil hey. just asks questions and agrees with it when Eric breaks it down. They're finally catching on. How do we make this so, guy a moderator? Um, so we need to get this guy out of here. Tom Agnetti says, Phil's an emotional leader. Eric is definitely the stats guy. You got the game book in front of you, so I don't... You got any DVOA from yesterday? No DVOA yet. Then KMH responds and says, could we see what it looks like replacing Phil with Ben Swanson next week? You don't want that. <laughs> Let's get this guy out of here. Uh, KMH, you're done. You're done. Good luck coming back. Uh, he does though want to know, uh, will we be in Pittsburgh this uh, coming week? Uh, and then uh, will he be able to come next Monday at the brewery off Santa Fe on, on Brewery Lane? Bre brewery Lane. Yeah. You're going to have to cut, brewery, you kick him brewery. Out, cut you off. Yeah. Um, yes, I will be in Pittsburgh, Phil. You, of course, will be back here hosting the Broncos post-game show with former Super Bowl winning linebacker Todd Davis. That is true. I'll be back. Super Bowl winning linebacker Todd Davis will, will be in studio with me and we'll be breaking it down. But you're out there and I toss to you and I say, hey, Eric, what happened? Yeah, Heinz Field. Heinz Field. Is it still Heinz Field? The Renegade. Yeah, they get the Renegade going. I've been there, covered the game in uh, 2015. Broncos went up big in that game and then the Steelers came you back. Don't, and you don't do the travel anymore. You're too esteemed for that now. I just, uh, I get paid to just have my face out there a little bit more and... Uh, this allows me to do that, Eric. Uh, KMH did say, can he come out next Monday and ask a question oh, in person? Definitely. Yes, we'll please come out. We'll be here at Breckenridge Brewery in Littleton, off of Santa Fe, off of Brewery Lane, farm, every Monday. Farm home. The farm, we're turning the farmhouse into the farm home every Monday from 6 to 7. Although, we might need some security if you continue. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Burton does a lot of CrossFit and is not afraid Yes, Roy Burton does CrossFit every single morning and posts videos on Instagram. And it is it is legit. Not today, though. Okay, uh, a couple more questions here. We got about 
12 minutes left in the show here. Are you more Who's concerned? Counting? Are you more concerned with the offense or defense after this Ravens game? And I only say 12 minutes is because the sun is going down. You can probably barely see us still. I think Ben Swanson ran off to try to find some lights. Yeah. We'll see if it happens. Um, I'm still more concerned with the offense just because of the health of Teddy Bridgewater. The, the Steelers are going to do some similar things next week to what the Ravens did in terms of sending pressure. I will say, Phil, the, the Broncos did not handle it well when the Ravens just sent four. So, first of all, they got to figure that out, just regular pass protection to be a little bit better. But Drew Locke, we know, has struggled against the Blitz. He's struggled with some of those quick decisions. So if he's in there, that's going to be a really tough matchup. And you might need the defense to hold Pittsburgh under 14 points in order to get a win. Now, yeah. now if Teddy comes back, because of what I've seen from him, just in terms of being able to rebound and not let bad plays linger, not let bad drives linger, I would think the Broncos offense would be able to get things going a little bit more. Um, but because of that uncertainty, Teddy, or the offense to me, is a little bit... Uh, oh, we have lights. Ben Swanson. That must have cost a lot of money yeah. <laughs> to get that going. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Eric. I think that the injury concerns on the offensive side of the ball, especially now that Teddy Bridgewater is part of that, uh, definitely more concerning than the defensive side of the ball. Is that what um, you look like? Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can we get the lights back off, please? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, prospecting with disabilities has an interesting comment. It says, why can't the quarterbacks just split reps in practice? Wouldn't that be benefit the whole team if they could just split them? Well, I mean, Teddy is not taking every single first-team rep. Drew yeah. Locke is getting his share of reps as well. He's just probably, you know, maybe it's 20%, maybe it's 25 maybe it's 15 It's somewhere in that lower end. And so I think what Drew's saying is that it's hard when you have that number of reps to be ready for a game. But you've got to give your start of the reps just because one day is like a third down and red zone day. One day you're working on your offense in the middle of the field. Other day, Friday you might work on situational stuff. So these guys need these reps. It's not necessarily like there's an unlimited amount to go around. Yeah. Teddy needs these when he's a starter. And Drew says that he stays after practice and tries to get in some additional reps with some of the guys. But he said usually that's not the guys who are playing on Sunday. So uh, he is getting reps. But I think that it, uh, for the backup, it's more about getting those mental reps, being ready to go. Uh, I think they can't decide whether it's better or not to see your face or not to see your face. I yeah. like it. It's kind of like, yeah. like a rock is, show. Yeah. Swanson is trying to uh, play the game here. Uh, Got the itch says, did you fire the sound guy from last stream? Much better today. Yes, we did. Uh, Eric Burton has been promoted. <laughs> Eric, after the podcast, just let this guy have it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, said I've been in I've been in pro ball for six years, and I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, uh, Tom Eddie says he's got to turn off the 4K. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I I don't know why you had it on in the first place. <laughs> ben Swanson, he can paint a nice picture, but he can't do makeup. No, you know, and I'm not sure if there's much that could fix uh, fix that up here anyway. So, all right, let's wrap up the show here just with a uh, uh, just a general discussion about where this Broncos team stands right now. How do you think they can avoid letting any doubt creep in? How, you know, how can they stay? Okay, look, still three and one here, still sitting pretty good. Depending on the outcome of this uh, Monday night game, the Broncos could still be in first place in the division, a three way tie there. So. How, how do you avoid that? Well, I think you can't panic. And the way you do that is, 
listen, this weekend's game is not easy, Phil. It's not going to be easy to go to Heinz Field, a packed stadium, have Renegade play, get a road win, especially if Teddy doesn't have much practice time, more if it's Drew. So I understand it's not a guarantee that you win this week. And I do think what you need to do is win one of the next two games to make sure that you're sitting there at 4-2 and two, at the very least, that's still like a, you've proven at that point you can either beat a good team in the Steelers or a good team in the Raiders that will, you know, at least be in the top half of the division at that point. But I think this team needs to prove something to itself because we've talked a lot about nationally. What is this team's kind of uh, vibe after being the a perspective, the national perspective? Yeah, we like those. We love those. But it's also, you know, can the guys who have not been to the playoffs, can they learn that, yeah, we are a good team? We're able to, to beat a team like the Steelers on the road, a team like the Raiders at home. Can we compete against a playoff contender? Because right now I think they kind of believe it, but they haven't seen themselves do it yet. And so the good teams, the ones that make the playoffs, you can lose a game. You can lose even a couple of games in a row, but you can't let that extend. And then you also can't let it happen multiple times. And so... It's okay to lose a game, but you got to be able to rebound. We're going to learn a lot about this team this week in Pittsburgh. I would not panic yet. Even with a loss, I wouldn't completely panic, but obviously it'll go up a little bit with a loss. But I think the Ravens' offense does so much. It's different than everybody else. You had a bad day against the Ravens' defense when your starting quarterback went out. You're going to lose games. You're going to fall flat on your face sometimes in the NFL. How do you respond? If they Phil, if they bounce back and get a win on the road, you're going to be feeling like, good. You're going to be like you're four and one. This team bounced back. They looked good. You know the defense found a way to rebound. Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke went out there and got it done. We're still tied at the top of the division. All those things are going to have you feeling really good. So do not panic after one week. Is kind of my message, even if there are some concerning factors. I, I mean, I think that you hit it there where you go up and down. You ride a little bit of a roller coaster of a season. You battle injuries. You have bad losses. you got to just kind of uh, adjust and keep going here. I'll say this, though, Eric. This is a tough stretch of games. Uh, the Steelers, Raiders, and then the Browns on a short week on the road. Good teams don't lose three or four games in a row. So if this Broncos team wants to be in the mix come – December, January, they got to be able to rebound and have that confidence and say, it was just one game, let's focus on and let's get on the road here and beat a Steelers team that uh, hasn't maybe lived up to expectations so far this season. I think uh, they're one in three. They're going to be really hungry to try and right the wrongs there. Uh, and they probably think, okay, this is a big matchup for our season. The Broncos are coming in thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger still threw a deep touchdown last, deep touchdown pass last week. He's still got an arm, even if it's not kind of as consistent as it used to be. Their defense is going to still come after you. Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush, uh, T.J. Watt. I mean, they've got a lot of playmakers, Phil. So this is not an easy matchup from by any stretch of the imagination. But I think you're right. I think over the next two, you have to go at least one and one over the next two because that Thursday night game is going to be really difficult. And I think you've got to find a way to be 6-4 and four at the bye to have a realistic chance at getting into the playoffs. Obviously, you still have games against Washington and Philly at home before the bye. So if you can get one in the next two weeks, well, I, I think you're still in good shape. But you can't just – you can't let this spiral. That's true. KMH says you finished your beer. I did. Yeah. I got a little bit left. That's because I like to pace it right through the show. I hope there's a lot of comments about you. Yeah. 
Breckenridge Brewery. Well, that. Brewery yeah. Lane. Yeah. What do you hope? There's some comments about what? I mean, I'm reading all the comments. Yeah, no, I like those. Yeah, we got some good discussion going here on this Monday. I will note that this stage is typically for uh, bands, mus- musicians. They probably thought we were rock stars. They wanted the, the strobing effect here. I like it. Do you think that's what happened? I think so. Okay. Well, I think it's time to wrap up the show here, so I'll finish my beer. Uh, we are at Breckenridge Brewery's Farmhouse. In Littleton. Looking to make it a farm home. We're right off of Santa Fe, Brewery Lane in Santa Fe. We're here every Monday from 6 to 7. If you're watching on YouTube, we're live on the Broncos YouTube page, and you live in the area, come on down. You can ask questions in person. You can meet Ben Swanson. Uh, it sounds like KMH really wants to meet Ben Swanson, so uh, we'll, have, we'll have some security here next week. And, uh, yeah, come on down. It's a great time. Uh, they got a lot of great beer. The weather is supposed to be great throughout the rest of October, I'm pretty sure. We've been looking at the, a 10-day forecast. Come on down. They got fire pits going. Uh, hanging out outside, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's been great. If not, check us out on the Broncos YouTube page, and we get the discussion going, and maybe we'll be talking about a win. That would be a nice uh, – let's get back to that. Yeah. Uh, we'll have more, a lot more, coming up on Thursday. We break down the, this matchup between the Broncos and Steelers. If you want to be a part of that show, you, your voice can be right here on the neutral zone, 707 neutral. Leave a voicemail. If not, uh, you can write it. That's right, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Send an email. Leave an email. If you want a sticker, you can leave your address to him. We'll mail you out a sticker. Um, it does look like this, so be prepared. Be ready. That's yeah. how big it is, too. Yeah, I saw Tom open up his envelope. He was a little bit shocked. He was like, whoa. I didn't think it was going to be their faces, but it, it is. It's brandy. It's brandy. Hit us up on Twitter, too, at Eric Delala with an A. At Phil Milani with a PH, not traditional spellings there, and uh, you could be a part of the show. You can also leave a comment uh, here if you're watching this on replay, and maybe we can address it uh, coming up on our Thursday show. Until then, uh, for Eric Dalal, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone.